globally we could come together just like we are starting to come together with uh renewable energy each country is setting like different pacts for itself when they're going to be carbon neutral when they're going to reach carbon peak mm-hmm. we could do the same thing for packaging and maybe we could create substances which probably already exist just just need to be scaled up that could replace these monstrosities that we've created for ourselves that are literally inside of ourselves now at this point Mm -hmm. how long have we been using plastic baby Uh, like a century less i bet maybe less than that only a few decades but the damage it has done and my idea you know it's just uh, came into my mind is that we should make some scary films about (laughs) the danger and the destruction of having plastic in our system and in our bodies Mm. And also, there's some basic knowledge that most people don't know, because when we talk about plastic, we think of bottles, straws, and bags, but they're actually everywhere. And this also, it's new knowledge to me, too. Maybe not from today, but, you know, not too far back. They, because plastic, they're used to make literally everything, like our clothes. So I did not know that a few years ago. I could be buying a piece of clothes, and it's mostly made of, like, fossil fuel. That's just odd because when you think of your clothing, right, you think of like cotton wow. and wool and things like that. But polyester, right? Yeah, I think that's um, one of them. I mean, things are getting so interesting, so inventive, right? Because, yeah, yeah the, all the things we can create. Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason. Today with me is Bebe. Hey, Jason. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. How are you doing? I'm less than wonderful. What do we have today? Microplastics are now being found in the remotest parts of our earth on a regular basis, even where there aren't even people. Mm. The half-life of microplastics is hundreds of years. According to the Royal Society of Chemistry, some scientists are now calling this new age the Anthropocene era after the damage human activity is causing. Anthro, of course, meaning mm-hmm. human as in anthropology. What do you think, baby? So I think the Procene after that is something bad, right? Oh, era just means the time of humans, like a period, the era of humans, the, you know, the epic of humans being on the planet. The earth is divided into different geological time spans. Right. And now, just because of human activity, not just plastics, but, you know, carbon and the global warming, ice caps, all that stuff can be measured in the actual surface of the earth, which is what we've done to it. Right. You know, we really made an impression on the earth, baby. I'm proud of us. You know, I was just reading, I just finished reading the 600 page a short history of nearly everything by Bill Bryson. You probably have read. Wow. He's a really fun writer. I've heard the name. Yeah, it's long, but it's a really fun read. And you know, reading it, you won't be proud to be us. I don't think it was written with the intention of damaging human reputation, but it comes across. You know, the things we've helped to quote unquote help to extinct over our existence. It's quite appalling. But so microplastics, yes. You know, when I saw this word, you know hmm. who I thought of? Like who was the first person to pop into my mind with a pointing finger? <laughs> My husband, he's extremely into things like micro, but only in the sense that how damaging they can be. I remember because he was the first person to tell me the damage from microplastics, you know, how that can impact our own health. That's his focal point, like how all these things that we do not see can actually harm our bodies, our health. And I was completely... I thought they were just like the new seasoning. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you're being very <laughs> optimistic about all of this. But I think we are uh, starting to study it. I think we're still at the beginning of trying to understand it. And we are still at the stage where we are shocked that we found mm. plastic, not just in the air, in the, you know, in the ocean, and also microplastic, of course, but also in our bodies, like inside our bodies and even in our bloodstreams. Yeah. And that gets a little unnerving, right? I don't like having plastic inside me. There's actually a measurement for this. There's a couple of them. So like a percentage, <laughs> Jason's percentage as plastic. <laughs> 
Okay. It's about one credit card. In our body? In each human person on the planet, there's Uh, about one credit card of very fine plastic spread out through the brain, heart, blood, everywhere. Okay. That does not sound very good. But at least you said it's very fine plastic. (laughs) (laughs) It's plastic of good quality, I hope. Oh, goodness. I meant fine as in it's very small. That's why it's called micro. Yeah. Whenever my husband said things like that to me, I usually I would be a little annoyed because I'm like, oh, he's such a fuss. You know, he's such a fuss about these things. He keeps talking about bacteria, viruses, and then he's on to like microplastic. I remember using, you know, Ziploc bags, right? I love them. Like, I just love them as a invention. Mm-hmm. They, they're so clean and nice and you can use them to like in so many mm-hmm. for so many purposes. I don't use a lot of them. And over and over. Yeah, over and over. But they do get a little uglier uh, along the way. Yeah, sure. But I buy uh, like a few boxes of different sizes and I use them for a long, long time. I use them when I, mm. you know, I actually stand there and think about, do I have to use one? Because I know it's made of plastic, as beautiful as it is. But, you know, when I use that and also surround Brand wrap, you know, the, the plastic sheet over that you cover over leftovers. Mm-hmm. For a few times, my husband was like, You know what these are made of, right? Mm-hmm. You know that there are microplastics that get into the food and then eventually into the system and also from, you know, bottled water. I'm like, Okay, so what am I supposed to use? And he's like, Hmm, not really sure. <laughs> and then I bought like paper bags to cover things or to like say when I buy fruit or other things I put them in paper bags and put them in the fridge and then here he comes he's like oh you know that bacteria loves like paper pulp mm. and they grow much faster on paper in the fridge I'm like okay <laughs> what am I supposed to do so I guess a lot of times we know the harm but still hoping for a better solution but I'm just sharing my personal experience of uh, you know knowledge of microplastics Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Well, you know, I think it's really interesting because it's not just where we typically think about plastic being found, like the ocean or near landfills or, you know, or where human activity is. Like you go hiking, obviously, sometimes you're going to find a bottle of water. Sometimes you pick it up and put it where it's supposed to go. But it's actually like in the middle of the Arctic where no people have been or the middle of Antarctica, like where no people have ever been. They're just microplastics there that you can find. And so I remember five years ago or maybe longer, actually, there was a deep sea probe that went to the deepest part of the Mariana Trench with no humans in it. And it landed on the bottom. It had a camera. And the very first thing Mm -hmm. that we saw when the light came on was a plastic bag and thinking... Seriously? Yeah. 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 Like it looked like a grocery bag. Not like a Coca-Cola bottle. And I was just thinking, this isn't good. (laughs) But I have an article here. Mm Earth.com. Microplastics discovered in the most remote Arctic regions, July 22nd, by Chrissy Sexton. And it says... And this is just a quote from the article. It is found on land and in soil in most rivers of the world, by according to Dr. Walt here. His stark observation highlights the reality that even in the remotest of regions, including polar oceans and the deepest ocean trenches, are not spared from the insidious infiltration of plastic. So Insidious infiltration. Insidious. So, you know, wow, the words they use. people throw a bottle into the ocean or into a river and it goes into the ocean and it, you know, we have these huge garbage patches. What happens is they slowly break down, mm. but they don't break down into molecules that can be consumed by fish, although they are, but not as nutrition. Not to any benefit, right? Yeah, they break down into tiny, 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 barely visible pieces of plastic that end up being swallowed by fish and by whales and by dolphins and by sea turtles and by whatever else is out there. And guess what? We eat some of those animals. Mm -hmm. And then guess where the plastic is? It's in the fish. It's in the whales. It's in the sea turtles. It's in shrimp. It's in you. It's in us. So we're eating our bottled water that we used a few years ago. I also have an article. It's from sciencenews.org. I think this is a really nice article titled Mm -hmm. Microplastics Are in Our Bodies. Here's why we don't know the health risks. It's only seven pages long, Jason. Hmm. We could just sit there and read this article and the show will be over. But (laughs) I want to add to what you just said. The founder of Plastic Soup Foundation, we don't want that, right? Her name is Maria Westerbos. 
Uh, it's an <laughs> Amsterdam-based nonprofit organization. She said that what we're looking at is the biggest oil spill ever because nearly all plastics are made from fossil fuel sources. A lot of people probably don't know that. So, you know, it will be literally eating like fossil fuel into your body. And she said microplastics are everywhere, even in our bodies. And in recent years, microplastics have been documented mm -hmm. in all parts of the human lung, first of all, because we breathe it in, and in maternal and fetal placental tissues. So they get transferred into the bodies of babies, newborn babies even, and in human breast milk and in human blood. They did this study. It's a small sample, but they found microplastics in blood samples from wow. 17 out of 22 wow. healthy adult volunteers in the Netherlands. So that these tiny bits can get absorbed into the human bloodstream. So, I mean, this is still a relatively new study. And also, I just remembered one part from the short history of nearly everything. There was, it mentioned an incident where uh, I think it was a Korean ship, uh, like a cargo ship. There was a shipwreck in the middle of the ocean somewhere. And uh, something like over 20,000 mm -hmm. baseball gloves were then dumped into the ocean because, you know, from this accident. And they traced the movements of these gloves and found out about some of the really important streams in the oceans, like currents in the oceans. Now, because I'm talking about that because it reminds us how everything circulates, right? The things we dump into the ocean, even if it's a plastic mm. bottle or like a past, I don't know, like straws, they get transported by these ocean currents to literally all over the world. And that's why even at the deepest part of the ocean, also in, you know, Antarctica, where humans, you know, we don't normally go there and you still find them there. Mm -hmm. It was a fun incident in a way that it helped scientists to study, you know, how oceans move. And they literally did not find a better way of carrying out this experiment. But, you know, from this accident, it was kind of a, a good result from this accident. So anyhow, just add on. About what you said is that, New science has to be done. You know, even when people were very certain in the 1950s and 60s that cigarettes were causing cancer, people could say, oh, the cigarettes yeah. in the 1950s and 1960s, people began to say, can't this is causing cancer. These are toxic things. You can't smoke them. Hmm. But the cigarette companies fought back and said there is no conclusive evidence showing that this is true. So hmm. then this battle continued in the United States and other countries based around the need for research. We hmm. are just starting to do plastic, you know, research about what microplastics are doing to humans. Right, so right. even though they may very well be contributing to a wide spectrum of disease, it's difficult to prove that right now because the research is going to take, you know, a decade or two to really get mm -hmm. solid about. So scientists are suggesting mm -hmm. these persistent organic pollutants are being absorbed by our bodies, like uh, PCBs and DDT are being absorbed through the microplastics into human bodies. And microplastics might cause physical harm, immune response, and mm -hmm. release absorbed pollutants. But research can't make absolute determinations on it because it's just getting started. This is a new toxic environment that we've created for ourselves. Given the amount of attention and money that goes into other kinds of research, let's say technology-wise, it's really surprising how we're just starting to study the effects of plastic, you know, on human health and, of course, on the health of other animals. Really, this, mm, mm. I think it's very shocking. And in this article I found, it says that um, it was only in 2020 that they found microplastics in everyday fruits and vegetables. And not just the uh, wrap from the wrappings or packaging, you know. It says here that evidence is growing that our food and water is contaminated with microplastics. This was, was a study done in Italy, uh, reported in 2020. They said wheat and lettuce plants have been absorbed, taking up microplastic particles in the lab. And uptake from soil containing the particles is probably how they get into our produce in the first place. So that's what can you imagine you're eating an apple? In the article, there's a chart that shows you like how much microplastics are in different kinds of fruit and vegetables. And the apples in there actually showed a significant chunk. 
So and it's not just outside the apple. It's like inside these fruit and vegetables. And that's just a start. If you're a five-year-old listening to this program, remember the next time your mom tries to force you to eat fruit <laughs> oh, that you no. don't want, say, I'm not eating that, mom. It's full of plastic. <laughs> I'd rather eat that uh, all the other junk food with like glue and plastic <laughs> and uh, coloring. <laughs> At least they taste really good. So, I mean, there's so much more to be found. And also literally in everything. And I'm sure you've discovered that yourself from the articles you found. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. It just keeps surprising me. I was doing research for this. It was just being found every single place all over the planet. This is another study. Microplastics found in snow in remote areas of Hokkaido. Mm. So that's, again, I guess given that we just talked about Antarctica, Hokkaido probably is not surprising. But they're being found just everywhere. Every single country, every single scientific, you know, hey, can I get a grant from the government to go do this research here? They go there. Guess what? Microplastics. Everywhere, everywhere is going. And it says this is a a researcher named Bronny. Mm. Nothing really surprises me anymore with microplastic work, Bronny told the Times. It's just cycling the earth. So it's too late at this point for us to take it out of Mm. the environment because it's ubiquitous. It's in the soil. It's in the oceans. It's in the air. It's in the trees. It's in the food. It's in us. Like, it's we've passed the threshold mm. there is no going back. So even if we could come up with like when we are, we're developing fungi that can eat plastic garbage and turn it into usable soil. Useful. Things? Yeah, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Even if we can do that, which we will probably in the next decade, we will not be able to remove it from everywhere. Like it's already there. So mm-hmm. the damage that we're doing to the environment is practically permanent. It will take a millennia, a thousand years if we stop using plastic tomorrow for it to just be gone. I was just going to say, at least we can start, you know, using less in the future instead of sure, having sure, sure. one credit card amount, you know, worth of one credit card inside us. Maybe we can make sure that it doesn't go up to two or three or even more. I mean, it, we don't, of course, we need scientific studies to tell us how bad things are in this regard and what kind of risks it's posing for us. But even by common sense, right? I think even little kids would feel like plastic, that's not edible. It's not edible as in like sheets of plastic or chunks of plastic, but they break down into these tiny, tiny, tiny molecules, tiny chunks, and then they can literally get absorbed inside our body. And we are very careful with things we put into our bloodstream, right? Because things get clogged and your blood gets dirty. And I can't imagine having a little piece of plastic. Maybe I'm just imagining this, but, you know, your blood is flowing. Here comes a piece of plastic. It's got to get, you know, it's got to get stuck somewhere. And also, it's not just about, you know, like dumping garbage into our system. It's possible that these microplastics or nanoplastics, which is even smaller, they might have bacteria or viruses that are attached to them. And when they get into our system, maybe the plastic itself won't generate like an immune response from our bodies. But the things they carry that are attached to these tiny pieces of plastic might kick off some kind of immune reaction. Actually, in this part, in this article I just mentioned, so experts are studying how the human immune system responds to microplastic. I think that's a very interesting topic because I suffer from allergy. And uh, I think even to this day, scientists haven't been able to completely figure out what's going on when it comes to all kinds of allergy. So this scientist, her name, gosh, how to say this? virus coop so she is from i think the university in the netherlands and so her unpublished lab experiments suggest that immune cells don't recognize microplastic particles unless they have blood proteins viruses bacteria or other contaminants attached Hmm. but it is likely that such bits will attach to microplastic particles out in the environment and inside the body Actually, I think it's probably inevitable, right? Because bacteria, viruses are everywhere outside and inside. And she said, if the microplastics are not clean, the immune cells engulf the particle and die faster because of it. And more immune cells then rush in 
And this would kick off a very uncomfortable immune response, you know, to what's happening. And then this could potentially trigger a strong inflammatory reaction or possibly aggravate existing conditions of the lungs or gastrointestinal tract. So you know how like when we get sick, usually, Mm. of course, we won't feel happy or comfortable with viruses and bacteria inside us. But most of the discomfort come from our own reactions to these invaders, right? It's actually our body fighting these bad things, well, quote unquote bad things, viruses or bacteria that make us feel terrible, like all the fevers and other responses. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be happy for us if we have too much of these um, all kinds of micro carriers of like bacteria or viruses, these foreign intruders coming into our body. And also, if you are not yet tired of uh, listening to this, I have more details when it comes to some of the chemicals that are added to plastic to make them suitable for their whatever purposes. These chemicals can cause problems for us. You've heard of the BPA, right? Bisophenol? Well, it's abbreviated as BPA, and it's used to harden plastic, and it's known as a endocrine disruptor. So that's like disrupting our hormone system. Yeah. And that has been linked to development effects in children and problems with productive systems and metabolism in adults. And also phthalates is spelled as P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. Well, these are used to make plastic soft and flexible. So I suppose the things we use to saran wrap, we use to cover our leftover dishes. I'm not too sure if they contain that probably. So these are associated with adverse effects on fetal development and reproductive problems in adults, along with insulin resistance and obesity. And also flame retardants, they make electronics less flammable. And these are associated with disruption of our hormone system and reproductive and behavioral effects. And there are like lists of other concerning chemicals that are found um, in various types of plastic um, that are not good for our health. But that will take a long time. (laughs) This issue is clearly not an optimistic one. But I would like to point out that in spite of this terrible global travesty that is unfolding inside of us that there's still Mm. there you know i hate to say it but there's still hope in about something here you know one of the things i look for in developing our program the bridge is things we can agree on and cooperate on Mm -hmm. and one thing that you know we had Mm. uh what's his name Gilbert mm-hmm. von Kerkova on. He wrote Toxic Capitalism, basically about excess consumerism. Mm-hmm. And this is a problem he identified in the West. Mm-hmm. And he came to China mm-hmm. and he said, oh, you guys are starting to develop the same problem we have. Mm-hmm. So this is something that is unfolding in the developed and the developing world. Right. We are all just buying too much junk we don't need. And like maybe he wrote in that book is a lot more important Mm. than a lot of people realize. And in the United States, where they consume an enormous amount of plastic and goods and packaging in China, we're starting to follow those same trends. I don't think per capita it's as bad as it is in Canada and the United States, but China is a very populated place and India is starting to develop. And, you know, also Mm. we as a civilization, we can optimistically come together to maybe pass some laws because you can't just say, oh, Jason, don't eat a a drink, a cup of coffee. It's not going to, or at Starbucks, it's not going to work. You can't do it on individual basis. We need to come together with global laws that everyone agrees on and begin to outlaw certain kinds of plastics. And maybe even, Mm -hmm. you know, different governments can, what's the term, you know, where they uh, work together, cooperate. (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to say, that's not the word I was going to, yes, but that's not the word I was going to use, uh, support, financially support industries that are producing alternative, Mm -hmm. environmentally friendlier Mm -hmm. packaging, because I don't think any kinds of uh, packaging are environmentally friendly, but friendlier environmental packaging, maybe that's more biodegradable or has seeds in it. And those products exist. We've talked about those products on this show. What they Mm -hmm. need is not just capitalist funding, but they need government subsidies. That's the word I was looking for subsidies, you know, China, United States, Canada, England, France, the European Union, Mm. we could be subsidizing companies that make environmentally friendlier packaging. Of course, I'm just a podcaster. 
I don't have. I'm willing to. I don't have. I'm the, willing uh, to. I don't have any kind of power. I'm just a voice that some people listen to along with Bebe. But, you know, for those of you out there who, uh, you know, mm. have maybe have a little more say or, you know, when you go to vote or when you're calling your local congressperson or you're calling 12345 in China to talk, contact the government, you could say, hey, this is something I really want. Maybe, <laughs> in Beijing. You know, China has what is it yeah. called? Consultative process of, of democracy. So that's a way that, hey, if you're in this consultative group, please propose that we subsidize alternative mm. sources of friend, environmentally friendlier packaging. Globally, we could come together, just like we are starting to come together with uh, renewable energy. Each country is setting like different pacts for itself when they're going to be carbon neutral, when they're going to reach carbon peak. Mm -hmm. We could do the same thing for packaging and maybe we could create substances, which probably already exist, just, just need to be scaled up, that could replace these monstrosities that we've created for ourselves that are literally inside of ourselves now at this point. Mm -hmm. How long have we been using plastic, baby? Uh, like a century? Less? I bet maybe less than that. Only a few decades. But the damage it has done. And my idea, you know, it's just uh, came into my mind is that we should make some scary films about yeah. the danger and the destruction of having plastic in our system and in our bodies. Mm. And also there's some basic knowledge that most people don't know because when we talk about plastic, we think of bottles, straws, and bags, but they're actually everywhere. And this also, it's new knowledge to me too. Maybe not from today, but you know, not too far back. They, because plastic, they're used to make literally everything, like our clothes. Say, I did not know that a few years ago. I could be buying a piece of cloth and it's mostly made of like fossil fuel. That's just odd because when you think of your clothing, right, you think of like cotton wow. and wool and things like that. But polyester, right? Yeah, I think that's um, one of them. I mean, things are getting so interesting, so inventive, right? Because yeah, yeah the, all the things we can create. So uh, microplastics, they're in our clothes, cosmetics, electronics, tires, right? Like as in cars. So when you drive over the road, actually lots of microplastic, they are left on the road and also in the air. They've done studies this. I'll mention this a little later. And also, so in packaging, of course, I really hate, I don't use this word often, yeah. but I hate excessive packaging. If I ever go to the two sessions in China and mm. can have some say in new policies, this is one thing I'm going to focus on, right? Get rid you of know, the If Bebe was packaging. in two sessions, <laughs> I would so want to listen in on that conversation. I, think I, might, I might get too excited to talk, but I think this will be one point. <laughs> get turn I red. Know. Wait, I have something to say, but I forgot. I have I have a list of bullet points here. <laughs> so this is one thing I, I get pretty excited about, not in a good way. And a lot of the like toothbrush, right? And also, yeah, hold on, like yeah. other things. Did you know that they put them in yeah. cosmetics like lipstick, lip gloss and eye makeup to improve their feel and finish? I'm going to stop using those right away. <laughs> I don't even know what they mean by that. To improve their feel and finish. What does that mean? Like the finish of your lipstick? But anyhow, so they are in these cosmetics and also personal care products. Have you ever used those facial scrubs that have these tiny particles inside? Yes, but very rare. That they're supposed to. So they were like, I remember they came out when I was in college. So it was like a new fancy thing that they tell you could go deep into your pores and scrub out the dirt in there. Yeah. I don't think they worked very well, but that does make your face rather dry. So I did try them. And now they have like shower gels with little tiny stuff, like almost like plastic stones inside to help you exfoliate. Mm. And also they're, you know, in toothpastes for cleansing. And there's plastic in my toothpaste? Some, not in all. Your toothpaste may be too normal, <laughs> not fancy enough <laughs> to contain them. <laughs> no, that's why, you know, when I read this in this article, I was thinking all the things we used back in the days, like before this heavy industrialization and all the uh, fancy experiments. Back in the days, we would use these, you know how... This kind of a melon, it's called sigua in Chinese. So it's very popular in the summertime mm. and we used to grow it. So it's a melon that you can eat them fresh, like when they are still young, you can eat them as a vegetable. And if you let them just hang on the vines and grow old, they grow into this gigantic, very light tube-like melon. And when they become really old, the fibers in them stay really strong. So you can kind of get rid of the flesh parts. And we will use the leftover 
for fiber as dishwashers. So you wash them instead of the plastic or foam ones we use now. We used to use these, literally these fibers from natural melons. And also you've probably come across these shower gloves in China, right? These are, they're in the shape of a glove. Some are used to use those, but we don't have them yeah. anymore. It's for exfoliate. It's to exfoliate. What's the word? It's exfoliate. It's to exfoliate, exfoliate. your skin. Yeah, it's basically just a really rough cloth yeah. that you scrub your skin with. So instead of using these facial scrubs or shower gels containing gazillion pieces of these microplastic, try some of these like more natural products. They're so much better at getting rid of dead skin because that's literally just what you're trying to do, right? Washing up the dirt stuff. So with these like facial scrubs and other cleaning products containing a lot of microplastic, when they wash off, they enter the sewage system and then they end up in the water treatment plants. And then these water, after they're processed, they might be used to fertilize agricultural lands or even, you know, released back into the waterways or drinking water. And then they drink it. Yeah. Some of it becomes drinking water. And a lot of some cities have entirely uh, recycled. They recycle all their water back for human hey, speaking use. of which uh, uh, then of course you know they'll go back in us and also go back to other plants and stuff oh, yeah. you're listening to the bridge You know, you remind me another problem. Oh. I know this is not the same issue as what you're talking about, mm -hmm. but it reminds me of, you know, how we're damaging ourselves by just using whatever does it without with this carelessness. Mm -hmm. In America, there is an enormous overuse of pharmaceutical drugs yes. for depression, for anxiety, for, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And more Americans use these kinds of measures of relief than anyone else in the entire world. Mm -hmm. As a consequence, when they test, mm -hmm. you know, water, like river water or drinking water, they find a hundred different kinds of drugs, anxiety drugs. So when a kid, a five-year-old random kid is just getting a glass of water, they're essentially using a bunch of different mm -hmm. brand names drugs just and going about their day, not realizing that it might have some kind of effect on that child. Mm -hmm. In addition to all these plastics. Yeah, there's so much that we don't know. Right. And it's not just in the water, but also in the air. Like the two ways we two ways that microplastics get into our body is one, we swallow them, like literally eating them. And then we breathe them in. Like they did a lot of tests on air samples. It says that inhaled particles might irritate and damage the lungs, akin to the damage caused by other, you know, particulate matter. I'm sure like other things that are also bad for you and being inhaled. Mm -hmm. And they mentioned this one experiment where they were testing the air at like stoplights. And the reason why, let me just find it. The reason why they were doing this in a, near a traffic light is because that's where cars are likely to be braking, right? And when they brake, I suppose the tires rub harder, like there's more friction on the road and then more microplastics are released into the air. Right. And they are comparing the result to regular highway, like before the traffic light, how much yeah. air, like microplastic or nanoplastic are in the air. I have not been able to find the result. Sorry, it's like a seven page printout. <laughs> so I'm a little bit of everywhere. I'm sure it's not super healthy. But you know, I wanted to add a little bit to this. There's a, an article I found on barons.com, signs of human uh, era from nuclear fallout to microplastics. Mm -hmm. So it puts those two in the same category. Oh. Uh, so oh. there's a video before I get into this article mm -hmm. that I watched about a week ago. It's on YouTube. You can find it. It just has a little light that goes off on a map of the earth each time there was a nuclear test and it clicks through time for five or 10 minutes and shows the history mm -hmm. uh, from the first atom bomb test to now. And at some point you're like in the 1980 or 80s or 90s, it's just flickering all the time, like flashes of light all over the globe in different colors representing different countries. It looks like a light show. It's this unending horror mm -hmm. to watch. We have set off so many nuclear weapons on the earth. What's wrong with us, Jason, when I hear that? That's the question that's in my mind. What's wrong with us? Like how much damage do we want to do to the planet and to ourselves? Well, I want to add a few more facts before I get to this Barron's article. There have been shipwrecks where ships have gone down 
a couple hundred years ago where there's no gold on them or anything. Mm -hmm. But these shipwrecks have now become mammoth fortunes because if you can bring the steel from these ships above ground and process it, you can use it in some kind of supercomputer applications because it's not as radioactive as the steel that we already have on the surface of the earth or in some mountain deposits because those are now radiated with so much radiation that they can't be used for some very specific advanced applications. What this says to any normal person listening is that the world is now inundated with radiation and everything around you, including yourself, is also inundated with radiation. So this is from the article. When scientists drilled deep below a glacier uh, ice a few years ago, they found traces of plutonium. So even in glaciers that are forming during our lifetimes, when we take core samples from them, they're full of radioactive substances from human activity. Mm. And this starts basically in 1945, and it leaves behind, quote, a radioactive presence Mm -hmm. unlike anything before. So it's not just microplastics. It's radiation and it's prescription drugs that we've left in our water systems and in our air. And we are polluting this world. And it's just frightening Mm. uh, rate that is indescribable. And while listening to this, I feel like we are actually made of pretty tough stuff to have survived so far. (laughs) I don't know how, if we can evolve our ability to withstand all these radiation, other kinds of damage, if we can evolve fast enough to adapt. I think that's a huge question. And when it, you know, coming back to microplastic, I found here another thing that we might not notice that contribute to this is, you know, from washing machines. So sewage sludge, we mentioned earlier, right? It can contain microplastics, not only from personal care products, but also from our washing machines. Mm -hmm. Some of our clothes are made from plastic. And so one study looking at sludge from a wastewater treatment plant in Southwest England found that if all the treated sludge produced there were used to fertilize soil, a volume of microplastic particles equivalent to that, equivalent to what is found in more than 20,000 plastic credit cards could potentially be released into the environment each month. So coming back to plastic credit cards again, that's 20,000 plastic ones and just in this area for each month. And on top of that, yeah, fertilizers are coated with plastic hmm. for a controlled release because you don't want them to be released into the soil all at once, right? That will burn them. Oh, my gosh. We're literally adding plastic to the soil on purpose. Well, I guess we did that. Like, we do that in many ways, you know, for controlled release, even for... Like, I can't name them right now, but you don't want certain things to be let out all at once, right? So they're coated in plastic. I come from a farming background, kind of. I grew up in where there's a lot of farms in California. And, you know, before plastic, stuff grew. So, like, I'm pretty sure we don't need plastic to have fruit. (laughs) Oh, man. That's a whole uh, new topic, as I mentioned. You will be really interested in reading the book, The Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan. I think it will be an eye-opening experience. So it's much it's much worse than what we're talking about here today. And not just for fertilizers, plastic mulch film sure. is used as a protective layer, protective layer for crops, and water containing yeah. microplastics is used for irrigation. And even, you know, like agricultural agricultural fields in Europe and North America are estimated to receive far higher quantities of microplastic than global oceans. So, and even like... I don't think I'm going to have children. (laughs) And even (laughs) like in Italy, like some parts of Italy where people go travel because of the natural scenery, right? Because, oh, look at their tomatoes. They look so beautiful, so natural. So they coat Italy in plastic. Even there. (laughs) Fruits and vegetables purchased at local markets in Cantania in Italy showed wide variability in the numbers of microplastic particles present. So they're not as so-called like organic or healthy as we think there's just everywhere okay microplastics and all in micro they found microplastics in all blood samples collected from pigs and cows on dutch farms mm. okay not just in any like developing countries who you know might not have studied the effects of plastic as much but like in on dutch farms they're supposed to have like 
you know, one of the best places where you can buy milk and other dairy products. That's found in all blood samples um, collected from pigs and cows, showing livestock are capable of absorbing some of the plastic particles from their feed, water, or air. And of the beef and pork samples collected from farms and supermarkets, as part of the study mentioned in this article, 70% show the presence of microplastics. And um, they're also found in fish muscle, uh, not just the gut, like as in they ate the plastic piece of plastic, but to be part of the fish. Yeah, sure. So absolutely. when you consume them, you're actually yeah. also adding plastic. Yeah. In our muscles. And they're in our drinking water, yeah. whether it's from the tap water or bottled water. But I think bottled water probably have a higher chance of containing more plastic bottles. I have a thing about bottled water. You know, for me, it takes me like a few minutes to decide if I really need to open another bottle of bottled water. I have a few bottles at home in case where, you know, what if one day the water is cut off, right? You need to kind of prepare for that day. So they've been sitting there for a long time. <laughs> but normally, I don't just like when I go out, I take a plastic bottle. I just can't do that. You know, I have heard, I, I don't know if this is accurate. I don't have the data with me to back it up. But I've heard that reusing the same bottled water is actually right. worse because the plastic yes. is breaking down. Yeah, my husband told me that because back in the days, because I don't want to throw away bottled water, I actually, I've taken bottle, empty bottles out of the trash <laughs> to reuse them. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> but they were oh relatively my. clean. Like, you know, I saw that they... Well, here's the uh, then my husband would uh, say exactly what you you just told me that you're not supposed to. Well, here's the thing that I think a lot of people don't know, but we've mentioned it on the show a few times before. But I, I don't mind talking about it again, and I think it's important. Mm -hmm. I go to the train station pretty frequently. I just got back from Dongbei. I went to Heilongjiang, Jilin, and Liaoning, all all in the same trip. Nice. And what you notice in the train stations is that people go get water out of a water purifying machine for free there, and they have their own shui. Mm. a water bottle right. that they carry that's made yes. out of steel or whatever <laughs> glass. and every family mm. has their own you know for each member of the family or whatever and they just go fill it up with hot water cool water you have your options and then when you get to the next train station you could do it again mm. uh, many chinese people as a cultural trait carry their own bottled water mm. with them to work on vacation around when they go to the park right. and this is something americans do far less i would say it's like you know three or five percent as much as chinese folks one of the first things i noticed there are so many benefits yeah there are so many benefits from this it should be adapted like mm. all over the world and i don't think yeah chinese this this should become <laughs> a like global culture we should take this chinese cultural phenomenon and just scale it up to everybody but i don't think the origin of that habit was to reduce the usage of plastic because it's been the like using the habit of using your personal water bottle has been with us, I don't know, for decades, probably longer than we've had any plastic materials. But for us, mostly it's because people like to drink warm water or hot water. And especially a lot of people would like to drink tea. And also it's personal, right? You use your own bottle and everybody has their own bottle. It's clean. And imagine it's your it as your style. Or your, yeah, and I like the black one. I like the one that says Beijing on exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just so convenient, right? Everywhere you go, you have your own personal cup. Um, you don't have to use other people's. You don't have to use this like these free paper ones because who knows? It's you know it's a layer of like wax or whatever other stuff they put over the paper, and it's just it's your own. It's not that heavy. You can take them everywhere. When I go to a restaurant, right, instead of using their cups, who knows what's on those, right? <laughs> I have my own cup, right? It's just one less way to pollute my own body. So, yeah, I definitely advocate that. Well, there are definitely advantages, too. If you go to Starbucks with a your own cup, I think you get a discount. Hmm. So, you know, I think everybody should, every, McDonald's, whatever, you know, Burger King, all the big brands, they could do that. You bring your own cup, you get a discount on whatever drink that you're getting. That could be a way that we encourage this on a global level you know, back, to just, just. Yeah. Back in the days when we were little, some people, they actually knit like holders uh, of these bottles. Because some people back in the days when people didn't have so much money, they were really like frugal. And sometimes they would save these glass bottles from, let's say, canned, like canned peaches or other canned products. This is like, you know, 50 years back. And they would save these glass bottles and they would reuse them as their own personal bottles with a little cap. I do that. Yeah. And 
I, my wife and I, we get peaches because mm-hmm. she loves them. They are good. And we have all of the peach <laughs> bottles and we use them as glasses. But, but, but Jason, uh, this is something I learned just a few weeks ago because I used to do that. I just, you know, over the summer, we had a few glass can of these yellow peaches. Oh, they're so good. My mouth is watering already. So anyhow, then <laughs> um, they're especially good after you have a cold or fever, like after you've uh, recovered. Mm. So I was reusing these glass bottles. And then uh, my friends told me that that's actually not good because that particular kind of glass might not be suitable for reusage. Like there are, oh my there are all kinds of uh, glass <laughs> products too. I think they're much better than plastic ones, like much better than reusing plastic ones, but even glass bottles are supposed to use for like once or twice. So like just a piece of uh, advice that I'm transferring onto Jason. <laughs> Now I have micro glass in me too. Well, maybe at least glass. I I feel a little better about glass than plastic, right? So it seems a little bit more natural. Yeah. But anyhow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Well, I mean, I actually have an article that supports what you said about 20 minutes ago, that microplastics pose a serious danger to the intestine. Intestine. And this is by Russell McClendon, Mm. June 26th. It's the same thing that you argued earlier, that scientists are on to the idea that microplastics and nanoplastics accumulate in our intestines Mm. and cause immune response. Now, I wanted to add to what you were saying earlier, but I also didn't want to break your train of thought. Immune response or inflammation is one of the culprits responsible for aging. Oh. So people oftentimes who maintain their physique really well uh-huh. over their lifetime, like um, what's that actor who's like an MI7, Tom Cruise. <laughs> one of the things that people <laughs> like Tom Cruise really... About his yeah, name? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's... Okay. I'm not a huge... Uh, he's, he's He was great when he was young. Anyway, <laughs> he, he looks very young, even at his very old age, because he's aware that inflammation causes... The Mm. deterioration of your body. So he actually takes cold flashes where he stands in a freezer periodically. I've heard of that. There are other athletes that do this as well to maintain their Mm. body from having inflammation. They stand in very Mm. cold temperatures for just a few seconds a day, like in like a freezing environment, because it reduces inflammation and prevents their body from deteriorating quickly. Hmm. So what we're actually talking about when you have microplastics in your body, it causes the tissues that it embeds in. Mm. And sometimes it stays there to become inflamed, like constantly, maybe even for months or years. And what this actually do is cause the related tissues to age faster, which can actually lead to a shorter lifespan. So plastics may be killing us. You know, my husband will really appreciate this show. <laughs> and he will be thinking, baby, you are finally now learning the lesson. But I don't think Tom Cruise will like this show very much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I remembered his name. It just took me a couple seconds. <laughs> and you say he was old. <laughs> Anyhow. Well, he is old. He, and he looks amazing for how old he well, is. Wow, Tom. Well, well, Tom, yes. Okay. <laughs> and I have heard of uh, the similar habit as in people, they take cold showers like even in the winter time, some people, they take cold showers just with, with cold water, like all year long. And of course, for short periods yeah. of time. My brother Robert's one of yeah? those people. He takes ice Ooh, baths. Uh, so how is he? Even in the winter, even, in the summer. It's like huh? he, he does that really on purpose to stay young or to stay healthy. Well, I don't know if he does it to stay young. I think it's a meditative thing for him. Huh. He believes in taking these ice baths to like reach, you know, a deeper state of meditation, enlightenment kind of thing. For like him. shocked but I mean, into maybe I don't fully shocked into he's, peace. He's also into breathing exercises and mm. all and Tai Chi and all of the nice. stuff that, you know, young Americans are fascinated by all those. That's cool good. Things. These are these yeah. are good things. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to air. Uh, I want to add some bits about airborne sure, sure, sure. Please. particles. Go for like, it. Like uh, microplastic in the air. Let's see. So in this paragraph, it says, of course, microplastic particles are also floating in the air. And uh, research conducted in Paris 
to document microplastic levels in indoor air found concentrations ranging from three to 15 particles more, from three to 15 particles per cubic meter of air, and but outdoor concentrations were a little bit lower. And airborne particles might turn out to be more of a concern than those we found in food. One study in 2018, they compare the amount of microplastic present within muscles, like as in this sea creature with shells that people eat. They found that the ones harvested off Scotland's coast mm. with the amount of microplastic present in indoor air. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. A report in 2018 compared the amount of microplastic present in within mussels, the sea creature harvested off Scotland's coasts, with the amount of microplastics present in indoor air. So exposure to microplastic fibers from the air during the meal was far more like far higher than mm -hmm. the risk of ingesting microplastics from the muscles themselves. So while you are eating the seafood, which itself contains microplastic, you are actually intaking more, uh, breathing in more from just from air. So making things even worse. And so the, I can eat seafood because the air is already poisoned anyway. Yeah, well, I suppose <laughs> if you can yeah, understand it that way. And the experts, immunologists doing the study from University Medical Center. And she said, if I keep a piece of fish on the table for an hour, it has probably gathered more microplastics from the ambient air than it has from the ocean. I guess that does not make things sound any better. We are literally breathing them. I feel worse now than before. But good news. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, if you guys want to add to this conversation and you're at home, please email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com. Yeah. Any last words, baby? I want to add a piece of good news is that microplastics seem unable to penetrate the skin. Yeah. So our skin actually block off. They're just um, going in our lungs, our food, our damaged. water and everything else. Just but our skins yeah, are great, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's better than if they're just, you know, being absorbed through our pores, right? That will even or maybe we just haven't found out that they actually Oh yeah, they, hey guys, if you need hey. a grant from the government, skin permutation <laughs> by plastic. It's the new oh, trend. Gosh. <laughs> All right, we're not being very helpful. Sorry. It does not look good for the humanity. <laughs> yeah, but that's the start, right? As I mentioned, sometimes maybe we just need to make some really scary movies or shows to tell Absolutely. people that. And we, we can't the always is real. We, we can't always come up with all the solutions for you here on the Bridge podcast. We can just Get, tell you what's going on. At least we can do one thing that is get your own water bottle, either made of uh, high grade glass or suitable metal, right? Not all metal can be used for food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Jason. And uh, thank you, our listeners. Thank you, baby. Thank you, listeners. Bye. We'll see you next time. Yeah.